Hello and welcome to Working Historians, a podcast series about what historians do with their lives. I am Rob Denning, Associate Dean for Liberal Arts at Southern New Hampshire University's Global Campus. I'm going to post a normal interview podcast episode tomorrow, but today I'd like to spread the word about an upcoming event that Southern New Hampshire University is going to host in August that's going to set the museum and history worlds on fire. Okay, that's totally not hyperbole, but maybe it is. One of the things that historians do is talk to each other at conferences and symposiums, symposia, whatever that plural word would be. In September of 2018, Southern New Hampshire University and the International Committee for Museology hosted an online symposium where we tried to come up with a new definition for the word and concept of museum in the 21st century. That was one of a series of symposia held around the world in 2017 and 2018. We had a really great series of presentations and conversations around the different types of museums that exist today, the the different audiences with which they aim to engage, and the expectations for future developments within the museum community. We published the presentations, we posted interviews with each of the participants on this very podcast feed, and passed everything back to ICAFOM, which is still digesting all of the ideas presented at our symposium and all of the others around the world. One of the recurring themes in many of the presentations at that symposium was the need for greater diversity and inclusivity in future museum projects. Museums in the past were usually the beneficiaries of colonialism, and the primary patrons of those museums were upper-class whites in Europe and in the United States. During the 20th and 21st centuries, however, museums have spread around the world and are catering to local constituencies in a variety of new ways. This has made the universal definition of museum much harder to formulate because the needs of an audience in, say, Brazil are much different from the needs of an audience in, say, the United States. Museums in the past were institutes of conservation, as in preserving the artifacts and customs of the past, but frozen in time, as if to preserve the quaint peoples of the world in a state of nature. Museums now are much more dynamic. They strive to show how things changed over time, They have taken on much more activist missions to preserve and promote the local community and to defend it against outside influences. They serve much broader roles now by incorporating meeting spaces, community gardens, and computer labs, among other things. In short, museums look a lot different now than they did in the past. In August of 2020, we are going to host another online symposium on the state of museums and the study of museums in conjunction with ICAFOM, again, but also in conjunction with the International Council of Museums and the Association of African American Museums. The title for this symposium is going to be Theoretical Museology in U.S. and Tribal Contexts. Like last time, we're going to focus on museums in the United States, but we're still going to look at it within a broader global context. So, here's where we're going with this. The practice and rationale of theoretical museology, especially regarding tribal nations in the United States, developed from a colonial perspective. Slavery, the genocide of indigenous Americans, expansionism, and the reverence for the founding fathers contributed to the territorial way that museums have functioned. As such, the indigenous community and other minority groups have had kind of a love-hate relationship with museums in the United States. There are racial and class components to that love-hate relationship, and this has become a preoccupation with museum theorists in the United States, or museologists as they are called outside of the U.S. The history and philosophy of these museums are recorded in the archives and journals of the Anthropological, Historical, Philosophical, and Natural History Gentlemanly Societies, 
The word museology first appeared in an article in the Manual of History, written by Karl Ottfried Müller in 1830. H. A. Hagen first published a history of museums in an article in the American Naturalist in 1876, but that didn't use the word museology. But it still focused on the development and guiding theories of museums from the pre-Christian era through the 19th century. These early ruminations on the study of museums were written by upper-middle-class white guys for other upper-middle-class white guys, but they also established the basic philosophical underpinnings of museums throughout the Western world. Through this symposium, we wish to understand theoretical museology in museums in the tribal nations and the U.S., in publications, and in degree programs, which underlay the practice Museography, or museum practice, has been a focal point for U.S. degree programs and publications, while theoretical museology has not been widely embraced. In Latin America and in Europe, theoretical museology has been widely disseminated. In Asian and African countries, museology is a developed discipline, but underrepresented in the dissemination throughout the world. Theoretical museology is defined or identified as a component or subfield of museology. We want to bring theoretical museology to the fore for a couple days and see what we can discover. There is a need to further explore what museology, and specifically theoretical museology, means in the U.S., because the latter topic has not been well examined. We are going to approach a more thorough examination of theoretical museology through four panels at this symposium. Our first panel will be titled, Museology, a Word or Not a Word? We want to learn more about that word, museology. Should we name the discipline museology, like they do outside of the U.S., or should we name it museum studies, as we do within the United States? Why or why not? What is the history and philosophy of the word museology? And where and how has this word been used in tribal and U.S. contexts? Next up is teaching theoretical museology. In current degree programs, there is an interest in theoretical museology, but it's usually not called that. So what is taught in courses that touch on theoretical museology? What are the implications of African American, Asian American, Hispanic American, Native American, and other culturally diverse programs in museums and academia on the study of museology? Our third panel will be Theoretical Museology and Ethics. A code of ethics is part of most professional organizations. ICOM and the American Alliance of Museums have stressed the importance of ethics in their own codes. Is there a need for theory and ethics in museums? What should that code of ethics look like? What should it include? Let's lay it all out there. Finally, our fourth panel will be Theoretical Museology and the Functions of Museums in the Community. Our online symposium is going to try to incorporate diverse views on museums and theoretical museology. The multidisciplinarity and interdisciplinarity of the museum field call for consideration of what the community and museum professionals can contribute as agents and as actants to influence the functions of museums. Thus, there is a need to examine theoretical museology and the functions of museums in the community. What are, what are some of the theories that have been in, introduced and or forecasted by museologists that demonstrate the cause and effect between the community and the museums? I, I hope that everybody listening to this podcast will think about these questions and perhaps send in a proposal for a presentation related to one of those panel themes. Proposal abstracts should be a maximum of 300 words and are due February 28th, 2020. We will notify authors of acceptance or rejection by March 15th. The symposium itself will be completely online and broken up over two days on August 27th and 28th of 2020. Like last time, we will record video of the proceedings 
and some lucky presenters will have their work published as part of the ICAFOM study series. For more information about that, check out the website link in the episode notes for this episode, and please email any questions or proposals to icafomsnhu2020 at gmail.com. Before I sign off, I want to offer hearty thanks to Yun Shun Susie Chung for all of her hard work in developing this symposium and for handling much of the behind-the-scenes work. Hopefully, Susie and I will see you all at the symposium in August. In the meantime, stay tuned for a new podcast episode tomorrow, where I will interview Abigail Pfeiffer, who is the executive director of the Vietnam War Digital History Project. Stay tuned. I'll see you tomorrow.